I'm Kier from In Defense Of, a fandom inclusion and community podcast that's part of the Gun and Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on this network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other really interesting geeky shows at gunageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode 223 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we thank you. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we talk about whooshka changes. And finally, in this week's Better Pod back, we have a line and a new mic arm, courtesy of our favorite Australian, Josh Listed. Lauren, start the show now, mate. Sorry, Josh. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen Chandra, and I am pleased to say that SP is here this week. I'm going to say I am so excited to be podcasting tonight. We couldn't go last night on Gunna Geek, so it's just fun to be back in the seat actually podcasting, and I'm all revved up to go. We got a great show for you today. We do. Now, before we go into a How I Save My Podcast story, I just want to acknowledge something that those who check out our live Q&As, which happen every other Tuesday on Geeks.Live, uh, will know this, but I got to give a shout out on Better Podcasting proper to SP. He indirectly solved the problem that I had with my in-ear monitors that I needed to do a little bit of maintenance on. He gave me uh, a link to something that helped me uh, realized that I had a fix for my something that was broken, basically the wire on my in-ear monitors. So uh, if you want to know more about that, feel free to hit me up on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. I'll tell you all about it there. But I wanted to acknowledge it here right now. SP, thank you very much. And if you like that sort of talk, you should definitely come to, to betterpodcasting.com slash Discord because that's the sort of chat we have every single week over on the Discord, over on Better Podcasting Discord. And for those of you that don't know specifically what we're talking about, it has to do with the refurbishment of the Statue of Liberty. More on that later. In the meantime, we have a How I Save My Podcast story that was in our Discord server. We had user TGM4883 in a conversation. At the end of the conversation, I mean, it was locked. It was the text blocks were like bigger than my screen. I had to scroll through it. It was amazing on Discord. Anyway, he said, I just saved my last episode where my drive filled up during recording. I saw the notification and deleted some stuff really fast, but didn't stop and restart the recording. This resulted in my WAV files on a few of my tracks ending up getting corrupted about 37 minutes in, and I was able to fix the audio from after the corruption by loading them into Audacity in raw file mode and exporting just the part after the corruption and then loading them back into Reaper. Only lost a couple of seconds on each of the corrupted tracks. This is awesome. This is great. And this is probably because he was able to deal with a closed file in Reaper and then able to go in and 
make the or an open file, excuse me, and, and make those corrections. So that's actually pretty cool. I, Steven, I know, I know for a fact that you have some issues while you were recording. Used to be more plentiful that you had to delete some files before you started recording. This is before you started using the L12. And on the L12, it's kind of hard to do to delete files off the SD card as you're actively recording. But way back in the day, when you were using a hard drive to record, you actually ran into this issue yourself. Uh-huh. I absolutely did because I'm a pack rat with data. And so I would just let it sit there and sit there and sit there. And then my hard drive would be full. And I'm like, oh, I better go and delete some episodes. But I also left it there as a backup in case I needed it. So I left it as long as I could. But no, uh, absolutely. I did run into a problem with storage many, many times um, and still do because I I stopped taking the solid SSD. P at the solid SPSD advice, which is to just, you know, get yourself a new SD card whenever you fill one up. Um, and so I still kind of have to do this and delete things with the SD card. Wait a minute. I'm just getting to this now. SD card. So all the cards are made in San Diego. I'm not I'm not gonna acknowledge that joke, SP. It's a wasted joke on you, then. You funny <laughs> Canadians. You, ju you just can't get any of our American city-named humor. Well, otherwise, I'm going to be singing the Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego song for the rest of the night, and that'll be stuck in my head. Yeah, we don't have the rights to that, so let let's move on. <laughs> Thank you for sending that, and if you have a How I Saved My Podcast story, please get in touch with us through any of the ways we would absolutely love to have you send that in. Uh, if you want to just do it on our Discord server like that, you can. But we'd love to have an audio or a video clip because we do have a full video companion to the show. If you didn't know that, betterpodcasting.com. You can check out all of the videos that we have to do with this. We've been doing it right from the beginning. You can see our mugs. And during this, you can see the quarantine beards come and go. And you can see all, all of that if you watch us live. I think I just talked people out of watching the video side of things. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Better Podcasting and for watching it. Thank you to everybody who contributes feedback to this show. If you've listened to this show for a while, this probably isn't the first time that you've heard us say these words. And it's not going to be the last time that you'll hear us say these words either. This is because we genuinely appreciate everyone who listens to this show and also those that interact with us. And we like to express that. We find it's especially important to thank everybody because we are hobby podcasters and we're not motivated by money or the paycheck, although I do give SP a one cent paycheck every five years. Uh, we're not motivated by money. Listenership and feedback is one of the key things that really keeps us going here with better podcasting. And we'll have a little bit more to talk about a little bit later with that. And the reality is, we really, really appreciate all of the listeners and all of that engagement and all of the people who help show us that we're doing this podcast for people. And that's why we like to express our thanks, because we do appreciate that and it does keep us going. And we think that thanking your audience is a pretty important part of podcasting and something that you should be considering. Among other reasons, we think it's also, of course, a good way to engage your audience as well. 
Thanking your audience also helps show that you're human and that you care. I know people think that SP is a robot, but he is human. He is human, even though I have to reprogram his subroutines a couple of times. Uh, it really does help show people that you understand that they've invested time into your podcast just by listening and if they interact with you by writing you. And it really, really conveys your true appreciation for this. But there's a variety of ways that you can thank your audience. And this is what we want to talk about today. Some of the ways that you can thank your audience and, of course, engage with them in the process. SP, why don't you kick us off with some of the motivations and sort of the considerations that you might have for thanking your audience? That's a good place to start. So before we go into the ways that we can thank people, let's talk about the general considerations. First, we are firm believers that your reason for thanking your audience needs to be genuine and authentic. As we've mentioned before, we're big believers that you should be real with your podcasting and thanking you expressing your appreciation is no different but there is an extra consideration when it comes to thanking your audience from an authentic place if you're not thanking people authentically you run the risk of cheapening that thanks that you are giving if it comes off inauthentic and cheesy and people don't believe you Another consideration that you may have is whether or not the thanks is even appropriate for something to be on your podcast. Is this a personal matter that would be more suited to happen via direct contact with the listener? Is it even something that is okay to be shared on the podcast? But is the person who you're looking to thank even okay with this being shared on the podcast? Now, remember, podcasting can be a very personal experience for some. When they listen, they often feel like it's just you and them. Either it's directly into their earbuds, it could be in their car speakers. Usually it's a one-to-one -one relationship between the podcaster and the listener. Alternatively, some listeners may hear the thanks and get a little embarrassed as they picture themselves being called out to your millions of listeners. All right, all right. We know that you likely don't have millions of listeners. Very few podcasters actually do. There's some that do, but most don't. But it can feel that way to a lot of listeners. Think of it this way. Different employees enjoy different ways to reward. You can reward via bonuses or raises, money. You can reward with time, extra time off. You can have people work from home, that sort of thing. You can give them an award or a trophy. You can offer them a parking spot. You can give them what we in the podcasting terms would be swag at work. It might be a work shirt, a, you know, a special work shirt or a jacket. You know, I watched The Deadliest Catch and that's a big thing. You get a boat jacket if you're a crew. So it could be something like that. It could be a personally written note from your boss to the employee. It could be food. I mean, people actually are motivated by food at work, whether it's cake or just a, a catered lunch or something like that. Or if it's just a public statement of gratitude, those are different things, a ways that people at work, that bosses at work can thank employees, show their appreciation for employees. We'll explore all that in a second. But another consideration is how much do you want to share about the thanks? Do you want to dedicate a specific time to this thanks or is it better to bring up more through a subtle manner? And we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. 
So as SP mentioned, there are a variety of ways that you can thank people within your podcast. Some of them are more upfront and others are more subtle, like SP just mentioned. And let's begin with one that very closely mirrors how we started this whole segment. You can dedicate time within your podcast directly for thanking the people. Now, how this is going to fit exactly into your podcast will really vary depending on the format of your podcast. For example, perhaps you're just relaying information to your audience that someone has passed along to you. You could easily wor work in that thanks to the, that person in a subtle manner as you deliver the information that you're passing along to your audience. But the thing is, this subtlety could vary in length in itself. For example, you could say, thank you to Jenny for passing along this article. Or you could take it another step if you wanted to, same idea. But you could say, I want to highlight a listener named Jenny. She reached out to me and we had a fun conversation about latex paint. Jenny found a great article that we thought we would share on this paint drying podcast. Thank you, Jenny, for sending this in so that we can share it with all of the other listeners of Stephen's paint drying podcast. You know, I'm so good you enunciated pants there because when we were doing this in practice, you said pants. So I was wondering what <laughs> latex pants was. I was all set to chime in and say I actually wore tights in high school. I was on the cross country team and they were purple because that was my college, my high school's colors. They were purple. So, I, yeah, I wore purple tights. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay. Another way that you could thank your audience is by dedicating an entire episode to them. While this could potentially be an episode dedicated to thanking them, instead you might try to make it a little bit more subtle than just hitting them over the head with it, such as something dedicated to entire listener contributions. For example, perhaps you could highlight information that has been submitted by listeners over the years. As you work through this, you can express gratitude as applicable. Or you could make a call to action to form this episode. For example, perhaps you had a podcast about drone flying. Maybe you could ask listeners to submit specific stories about close calls that flyers had when actually flying their drone and what they learned from these situations and what they're going to do to prevent them in the future. And let me tell you, every single drone pilot out there has had one of these stories. So this is pretty applicable to everybody that has flown more than a couple of times and some Canadians into a tree and some Americans too. <laughs> <laughs> we want to note that in this sort of situation, we feel it's especially important to acknowledge and thank the listeners for being vulnerable and sharing their tough situation. It's actually what we do in the, how I save my podcast story. We're not shaming anybody. I mean, we've had our plenty of how I save my podcast stories between Steven and I, what we're really trying to do is saying that everybody makes these mistakes and then more importantly, how you can correct them or prevent them from the future. It's a very useful segment. So anytime a listener is vulnerable to your audience, it's a great opportunity to show appreciation and thank them for opening up because they are vulnerable. It can be hard to share that information and have egg on your face. Let me tell you, it, it really is. Another great way that you can thank listeners is on an ongoing basis, dedicating a certain section of your podcast to listener feedback. As you know, we do that here on Better Podcasting. It's called our Better Podback section. 
One of the important things, though, if you are going to do this, is to consider who you're highlighting during the segment. Are you highlighting just one person or are you giving the fair share of time to a variety of different people? You want to make sure you're kind of cycling through some people because if you're just talking about one specific person, you might actually find that it gives the reverse. For people who aren't being highlighted that might be writing you, you might find that they're feeling like they're not being appreciated. So almost the opposite effect. So it's a good idea to make sure that you are cycling through those names. But it's also important to find the right timing for this within your show. Here on Better Podcasting, as you know, we have a pretty large portion of our episode dedicated to listener feedback. And sometimes that can be quite a bit. But we recognize that we're a little bit different on Better Podcasting. Because we are a podcast about podcasting, a lot of the questions and the feedback that we have is things that our listeners are directly wondering about, whether it is equipment or it's about fixing something or it's about a problem that they encountered. A lot of it is very, very relevant for our listeners. It's within the nature of this podcast about making podcasts. If your show doesn't allow for easy integration like ours, perhaps you can just fit in a little nugget here and there. Maybe just one little piece of feedback per episode and just rotate through different listeners again to keep that variety. Maybe it's just the way you sign off every single episode. Just find the right timing for your show because some podcasts, if you were to have a big section like we have for Better Podback, it just won't work. Another way that you can thank a listener is by inviting them to guest host on your show. This option comes with an entire set of considerations all to itself. And we've discussed before about having guests on your show. And it's worth considering that listeners often are not podcasters. Now, we're a very unique here on Better Podcasting, and we're hopeful that most of our listeners are actually podcasters. But For the vast majority of people that listen to Better Podcasting, their audiences probably are not podcasters themselves. However, if the listener has done something that you think would be beneficial to share with the entire audience of your show, consider how big of a compliment it could be asking that listener to share on the podcast. This could be simply a clip, perhaps a phone conversation, but whatever form it is, make sure you audibly thank them during the recording. Even if there's a lot of editing for you to do, ultimately that person dedicated time to come out and help with your show. Now, so far, everything that we've discussed involves no monetary element. However, if you are willing to spend a little bit of money, you could also thank your listeners through other ways. For example, you could do a contest giveaway. It's important to note that contest rules and regulation vary by region and by country, so pay attention to those. Putting that aside, though, doing a giveaway shows listeners how much you appreciate them. But giveaways can be expensive. You could make it a little bit more affordable. For example, you could have some merchandise made. Even it's something as simple as a sticker. Stickers are big deals with the college kids these days, and uh, I can do without them, but apparently they're big, so you can give them away. You can then send the stickers or whatever merchandise you have made to people as thanks as applicable. How you give them away depends on you, but sometimes just keeping them for that special occasion can make the thanks 
have even more meaning. And for us, maybe if we made a sticker of I saved my podcast mm. and then we could send it to people, I think that might work for better podcasts. And that's just an example. And Stephen and I will have to talk about that off air. Now, in any case, we always encourage you, if you are going to be sending something to a listener, to take advantage of another opportunity to thank them. If you're sending anything out physically, try to include a personal note in there. Now, it's going to depend how much time you have to spend on that. But if you just have a piece of paper, maybe you have something custom printed with your name on it or something like that. Just you could just a little handwritten thanks or thanks for your submission or whatever the reason is. Sometimes if it's something even bigger, you might go and write out a full letter. This is something that I will give credit where credit is due. SP is phenomenal at this. If you've ever received anything from SP physically, you know that this is the case. He is very good at sending a, a physical thank you along with things. So definitely, uh, it's a good opportunity there to just really help support that thanks with a little handwritten note or a typed note, whatever. I know that like I, I can't write legibly, so I would type it out. If you type it out, make sure you actually sign it on your own. You know, you don't have anybody sign it for you. You personally sign it. And there's different things you can do. Like if you type somebody's name, like it's a formal name at the top and then you have this big, long thank you letter. I've seen leaders and I've done this myself too. They scratch out the name and then you put just the first name or if they have a nickname, put the nickname there. And it's just personalization of the note. It's entirely acceptable, by the way, to do that with a type letter. Some people say, oh, it's type. You can't mar it with anything. No, go ahead. You can scratch out their name and put a more endearing term in the two line, in the two part as you're doing that. And this goes back for me personally to when I was a kid. My parents always forced me to send thank you notes for Christmas. You know, we got Christmas gifts and we'd send out thank you notes and we'd have to keep a list of what we got and send them out that way. I know not everybody's that fortunate to have enough that you have a big long list. I get it. But that was something that started me along that path. And then later, when I started to get more advanced executive training, I noticed that that was something that every competent leader did is they always wrote personal thank yous, some every night, but usually every week or every month, they would send out personal thank yous along those lines. And some leaders, especially in this day of where everybody has tablets and computers and laptops and that sort of thing. What they do is they carry around a small pad of paper, a memo pad of paper, and they will write their thank yous and they will give it to their assistant that they have with them so that there's a handwritten thank you note that goes out. So these are the sorts of things that really experienced people do. And these are the sorts of things that you can apply to your podcast. So basically save your rubber stamp signature for other situations. Like with me, whenever I send something out, I make sure not to use the Stargate Pioneer stamp. I actually make sure to hand sign Stargate Pioneer. I save the rubber stamp for when I'm applying for credit cards. This, this proves a point because whenever I send a handwritten note out, I do not sign it Stargate Pioneer. <laughs> so it proves that I've never sent you a thank you. That's deserved, okay? <laughs> okay. A last way we're going to discuss today about how to thank your listeners is to make yourself available to them. Think of this less of a public appearance and more of time devoted to get to know your listeners. 
The podcast that is most directly responsible for myself podcasting, we've discussed it before on the show, it was Galactic Water Cooler. It was about the sci-fi show Battlestar Galactica, and then it evolved into a more of a science, general science fiction podcast. They used to have an annual meetup that started with a group watch of the finale episode of Battlestar Galactica back in 2009, and then they kept having one for the next five years. On the other hand, Scott Johnson, he used to have an annual meetup for his Frog Pants community. It was big. They overtook a hotel, and it was great. Now, podcasting communities have gone on cruises. They've gone on campout trips. They've combined local meetups with business trips. They've had meetups in conjunction with other events. There's a variety of different ways that you can do this. Now, one of the purposes of such an event is to say, Thank you to your listeners, which is why we're mentioning it here. If you ever get the opportunity, take the time to do this. If you meet your listeners in person, make sure you thank them for listening or thank them for their contributions. More than likely, it's going to be somebody that you've actually met before online. So make sure you say thank you in person. And your listeners know you because of that one-on-one relationship that we talked about before, but you really don't know your listeners. You haven't had the opportunity to listen to your listeners on a regular basis. For a better podcasting, it's an hour every week, hour every other week. For other shows, it could be 15 minutes a week or it could be 15 minutes a day. Regardless, listeners actually get to know you through that time. You do not get to know your listeners. So this is your opportunity to return the favor, to say thank you by getting to know them a little bit better. Getting to know your listeners is going to be a little bit more difficult because of the many to one ratio. You know, whatever it is, if you have two listeners, it's going to be two people to your one. If you have 200 listeners, it's going to be 200 to one. If you have 2000 listeners, it's going to be 2000 to one. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get to know each and every one of your listeners, but try your best, especially with the most engaged people. And that is the ultimate thank you to them. In summary, Don't underestimate the power of saying thank you to your listeners. As we mentioned at the top, we find it's a very, very important aspect of podcasting for a variety of reasons. Make sure to thank your listeners as often as you can and as genuinely and as authentically as you can. Thank your listeners in a variety of different ways if possible. And if you can't do more than one way, choose one that works for you that does show the genuine appreciation that you have. And of course, as we say on every episode, we want to thank you for choosing to listen to better podcasting. We do really appreciate that. And it's truly because of you that we continue to do this show. We've mentioned a couple of times that right now is especially tough for people to sometimes sit down and podcast. And we think about you and the interactions that we have with you to keep this podcast going. So thank you very much. And we hope that we continue to provide great content to make your show better with or without beards. Because if you watch the video side of things, you know that sometimes SP has a beard, sometimes he doesn't have a beard, and sometimes he teases you with half a beard. This is the Better Podcasting Download. SP... You have a post that you wanted to highlight right now, and we talked a little bit about this offline, but we were waiting for all of the the outline of the exact details to be 
be published so that we could clearly explain what is happening with Wushka. And then we'll have a little bit of a conversation about our thoughts on this after. So I will turn it over to you to talk about the Wushka changes. A couple of weeks ago, as we were recording the last episode of Better Podcasting, there was an announcement out there that Wushka has a new set of hosting plans and it's going to take effect on May 1st. The Forever Free plan, which used to offer 10,000 listens a month, now only covers 1,000. And podcasters with more than 1,000 listens a month will need to upgrade to the new quote-unquote semi-pro plan, which is $29 US. This is an Australian company, so it's got to go through some wickets before the money actually gets to them, but it's $29 US, which offers a number of additional features, two shows per plan, that's pretty cool, two hours of automatic transcription a month, and three user seats. I don't know exactly what user seats are. I'm imagining that's users that can control the back panel of Wishka. So you can have up to three people controlling the publishing for up to two podcasts with that $29 a month plan. And coming from Libsyn, which their plan is roughly $20 a month for one person that can control the plan for one podcast, that's actually pretty good. And we know that Wishka has IAB certified stats. So lots of good things going on with Wishka. A little bit more pricey, but you do get two podcasts. It's basically a two-for-one deal. It still is bracketed by that 10,000 listens per month. And to just give you an idea of where that might fall down, say you have two podcasts that you produce weekly that get 2,000 listens per podcast. So week one, you have 4,000 listens. Week two, you have another 4,000. So you have 8,000 listens. Week three, you have another 4,000. Oh, wait, no, no. You only have 2,000 listens available. And then week four of the month, you have no listens available. So you could see how this can be confining. But this is assuming that you can do a podcast that gets up to 2,000 listens per episode. Stephen, what do you think of this? I think it's a really good example on why we are very passionate about doing your research and considerations about the future of your podcast and the unknowns before you jump into a media host. Because we have said many, many times that media hosting can change on a dime. They can change how much they charge. They can change what they offer and they can change what their rules are. It's the way that it works. You are renting space on their platform. No matter who you choose, no matter what the rules are for for changing out, you're renting space on their platform and they can change the rules. And when this happens, you may find that when they change the rules, they don't work for you anymore. And so what's your options at that point if they don't work for you? And I think given what we've seen with it being quite a drastic change for many, there's probably people who might have been considering Wushka or might be on Wushka that if this affects them, they would probably, they may be considering going to another platform. It's just the way it is when you have such a drastic change. There's probably some people out there. And so I hope that those people are able to do whatever they, they want to do when it comes to that change. I'm not going to get into semantics of all you know, the ins and outs on transferring away from Wushka because I don't know them. So I think it's just worth considering that whenever you sign up because this 
may have been Wooshka today. It could be another company tomorrow. And it's just the reality. Podcasting is evolving. And as there's more podcast consumption going on, there's bound to be more evolution. So I think that it's a good time for people who haven't thought about this for a while to think about what situation am I in now? What have I done to protect myself if I do have to change away at some point? And maybe it's as simple as if you're only publishing your media host website address, maybe you try to get a domain and, and drive as much tra traffic through that domain instead. You know, there's all sorts of things that you can do. And it's just a good reminder that things do sometimes change. I don't really know a lot about what sort of impact specifically this is having on the existing base. Uh, I don't know enough about the Wushka base. I do know lots of people who have been happy with the with Wushka over the years and who have have talked very highly about Wushka. But again, I think it's a, it's just in general an important thing to consider, especially because they weren't one of the hosts that banked on the free model. Yes, they did offer a free model, but they weren't banking on that. They had a, a few different options in there. So I was really, really noticing Wishka when they went to the podcast guideline certification, podcast measurement guidelines 2.0 certification, and they still had that free tier. That was an instant. It put them leaps and bounds above Anchor at the time, in my opinion. And I had known about them for a few years prior, but this was something that went, huh, wow, this is pretty cool. Now, when it came to the actual payment for that certification, they still had paid tiers, but I think that drove them more from the free plan because they were noticing probably, this is just speculation on my part, what a drag all those free plans were from their business model, especially since their overhead increased with the podcast certification, which means you have to buy certain databases and stuff like that. It's a cost to your company to do that. So I am still intrigued by Wushka and I would still recommend them in a pinch to somebody, especially if they just wanted to try podcasting out from a free plan, because I could see moving to a paid tier on Wushka and Wushka still meeting a lot of the requirements. Um, Bangs Nutty Bits has said that they do have 301 redirect available. So that's good if you need to move from them. And then I made a comparison earlier in the segment to Libsyn and the monetary cost of it. And then I said, well, but Wishka has a 10,000 listens per month cap on that $29 plan a month. There is a cap on every single plan, no matter what you do. In Lipson's case, their $20 a month plan, the cap is a certain amount of data, 400 uh, megabits that you can upload every month. And that is their cap. Now, you can have as many downloads as you want, but that's all you get is 400. And most weekly podcasters can fit within that. that that's no big deal right there. You, you, one hour weekly show, even if you want to go at a higher bit rate, you can fit that underneath the 400 cap. What you can't do is what I described before on those downloads. So please pay attention to whatever cap the podcast media host has and just know what you have going into it. Because like I said, if you have two shows, because you can have two shows under this, you have 2000 listens or downloads per episode, 
that is going to make you break the bank about a half of the month in. But Libsyn, you can only upload so much content every month. So, you know, give or take. Definitely good advice. And if you have any thoughts about this, or if you've even been affected by this, or you have not been affected, your own Wushkin, you haven't, we would love to hear from you. Tell us your stories so that we can share it in a future episode. Come to Discord if you want, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. Tweet us at betterpod, or you can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. And again, if you want to send a video clip, it'd be great. We do have a video side of the show as well. Again, betterpodcasting.com has all of the information. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. SP, let's not get to the mic arm right away. Let's leave that tease a little bit longer and start off with sound pads. We had Damien the DM from, say it with me, Aurelia Pod. Actually, it's Adventures in Aurelia. It's not Aurelia Pod anymore, just so you know. But he gave us permission to keep saying Aurelia Pod because his Twitter he, he and is still yeah. at Aurelia Pod. He's got it in his brackets on the Discord. So we can still do it. We still do it. Okay. Uh, he, he said, what? the class use for sample pads. I'm looking for something in the 10 to 20 sound range that will be easy to swap the sounds out each recording session. I'm hoping to do a big upgrade when all of this is over, including the ability to utilize some of the ambiences I've picked up. I'm looking for a physical pad. Just curious if anyone has any recommendations. Now, so if you're looking for physical sound pads, if you're using something like the Zoom L8 or the Rodecaster, Rode Cat, yeah, the Rodecaster, I always get confused with their naming. Rodecaster Pro. Yeah, Rodecaster Pro. You've got physical buttons that you can use built right into that mixer. So with the uh, Rodecaster Pro, you have that. And they've been making it easier and easier to try to have different shows and things like that. Now there's multiple pages if you want to swap between the different sounds on there. But if you're looking for something physical, one of the things that I would probably highlight right now, which I might talk about in a future episode, is a stream deck as I hold it up, trying not to push buttons right now and cause the video side of things to switch all over the place. But a stream deck, you can actually, if you're using a computer nearby while you record, a stream deck is a great option because it has baked right in the ability to have different sounds play out through one of your sound cards. So you can go in and you can load them all up. That's what I've been doing over the last little while. And uh, hands down, better experience than I had with the uh, Rodecaster Pro or the Zoom L8. Uh, so either one of those um, just pale in comparison in my experience to the Stream Deck because the Stream Deck, you can have folders. You're digital. You're easy to switch it out through the Stream Deck software. Just really, really... Um, versatile, but I also record with a, a computer every week. So I just have that going into my audio chain from my computer. I also really like the fact that it is baked right in. And because of that, it's fast. Like I, I find there's not really much lag, lag in there compared to some of the other options that I've tried from a computer before, where like you're trying to open up a media player window, or you've got a VLC going with a bunch 
it's really fast with the Stream Deck. So that's one that SP actually, he highlighted in response on the Discord saying, I think Steven uses that and absolutely I have. I've been really impressed with it. Yeah, I use Backpack Studio for my soundboard and I realize not everybody has that availability because they don't have an iOS device or they don't have a way to get the sound out, especially with the newer devices that don't have 3.5 millimeter jacks. But another thing, and I meant to check with my son on this, another thing that you could do is I know that DJs and people that actually mix sound use some sort of a sound pad. Now, I don't know anything about them. I know my son has one, and that's kind of what he uses it for. And I've seen it uh, in use. So you can use one of those, but I don't have any specific recommendations. And I haven't looked at their price, so I can't tell you if, like the Stream Deck is more versatile in price than Backpack Studio if you take into account the iOS device and, and stuff like that. So those are di- different things that you could use as a physical soundboard. And I think Backpack Studio kind of breaks that because it's not a physical soundboard. It's an app on board a tablet for me. I think that musicians probably do have really good insight into this question. Uh, so if you're a musician, you're probably screaming at your iPod first generation right now saying, well, uh, you guys need to know better. You should know right now. It's A, B, and C. Come over to Discord and help out Damien. It's betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We got a question from Steph Fuscio, and she said, quick question for y'all. What chair do you use? Back and neck issues. Wasn't going to buy furniture before we got to a more permanent place in Berlin but am doing some real damage with the rentals crappy pieces. So splurging. Thanks in advance. Uh, Steven, I don't remember if you replied to this, but I think I did. And I said something to the effect of if I'm going, maybe it was a different conversation. I, for my next chair, you know, I got this plush desk chair, high back desk chair. My next chair is actually going to be a more advanced gaming chair. Those are meant to be comfortable. They're meant to be sat in for a while. And more and more people that work from home and sit down for long periods of time, maybe they don't have a stand desk, they're using these high-tech gaming chairs. And I'm not talking about the ones that used to be on the floor that you rock back and forth. These are actually chairs that look like office chairs. They might be more colorful, but I know they're a lot more comfortable. I've seen some reviews and the people that have reviewed them have gone just blazing about them and they cost about as much as a more expensive office chair. So you'd be uh, ahead of the game, I think in comfort for the same cost. I, I think with all purchases, you should be wary of the in thing being overpriced and underperforming because I know that I get a lot of Facebook ads that clearly they've just designed a crappy chair to look like a gaming chair and they're selling it for a stupid amount of money. So do your research, okay? Do your research because I don't know why. I get attacked with gaming chair ads and some of them I just shake my head at. Probably because we've been talking them (laughs) so much back and forth between us on the messaging apps and Google and whoever else is saying, oh, he's interested in a gaming chair. Let's feed him the gaming chair app. Yeah, and after I say gaming chair a few more times, I'll start to get a lot more of those ads. We <laughs> or have, or is it, is it more like you say it a few times and a gaming chair will appear? 
Three times. <laughs> say it three times real fast in a row. We also had a hit up from Josh Liston, our favorite Australian. Actually, I can't say he's our favorite because we know a lot of Australians. So I'm not going to say he's our favorite, but he's one of our favorite Australians. So Josh Liston chimed in and he said, hey, squad. And I didn't know we were a squad. Is this like an army unit now? Or are we like a, a squad of, of like infantry here? Cheer squad. Okay, I'll go with that. Hey, squad, if you're perhaps looking for something that's styled like the OC white or yellow tech boom arms, I've just taken delivery of a unit called the Aster XLR from Thronmax. My field testing beans, beans begins, I think he meant, tonight. Note, I'm not sure about North American avails. I think he meant availability there of Throne Max, but they're definitely avail in Aus, UK, and EU. So that's Australia, the United Kingdom, and the European Union. I uh, went to their website and I saw there is where to buy. And so you can go and you can look up where to buy. I clicked on the Canada link and it took me to an Amazon page. It had a Throne Max MD Rill Zero USB condenser microphone. And then it listed a Stream Deck and a Boya USB condenser. I don't know why that's the, the link that I, I went to Amazon.ca through their website. That's what it showed. Bizarre. Y'all in the UK, you got to get together and be able to shop in each other's countries without having to go through all of this. It should just be one giant website conglomerate between the UK, Canada, Australia, you know, all of the UK areas. Uh, also, by the by, I want to mention that I do think that these look really good. I went to look at this to see if I could get it in Canada because I actually really do like the look and I would like to get my hands on one at some point. But we'll see at this point with current worldly events. I don't know if we'll be getting any stock replenished for a while, but I, I like the look of it. Yep. Uh, so I got to take this next one. You know, normally I'd throw it to you, but I'm going to take this next one just to prove that I know what the true way to say this username. <laughs> Yakko.org, or as I affectionately call Jeremy, Yakko Doctor, said, I didn't notice until a few days ago, but the NDI iOS apps are now free. Okay, so let's talk about NDI. First off, if you're not familiar with NDI, NDI is the stage name that SP used. What? No, it's not the case. Uh, NDI. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> now that you mention it. NDI is a video platform that essentially is sending video digitally over a network. So how we actually use NDI each week is I have SP running on a second computer through Skype. And when I've got him connected through Skype, I am using NDI, this NDI platform, to send his video feed from that computer over my network into my main computer, which is doing all of the video stuff together. It is a very, very uh, current standard and lots of things are using NDI. Well, they do make apps that are available and the app that is currently available on iOS is free. Now, what's nice about this is it does allow you 
to use your camera. Basically, if you pull up that app and you're on the network, you're going to be able to see it through any video software that is NDI compatible. For example, I use XSplit. OBS is also compatible. So is vMix. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you can get that. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other th things to do with NDI that'll save you the details. But people have used this before. It's been a very long time since I've tried it. They actually pulled out of Android a while back. I used to have the Android app. I refunded it within 14 minutes because it was not very good. Uh, I had a lot of problems, which is probably why they are no longer on Android. I had read mixed things a few years ago about the iOS thing, probably about two years ago, about the iOS app as well, overheating, things like that. But I also, when this came up, I did a little bit of a Google and I saw some people say that there was a major change a while ago and it solved a ton of issues. So if I had an iPhone, if I had a modern iOS device, I would probably give this a bit of a try and, and see how it goes, but I don't. You just took the joke right out of me. I actually set it up in the Discord for a joke. Nobody bid on it. I said, I know Stephen and Chris plan to use it, knowing full well that neither have a modern iOS device. Well, that's not true because Chris Farrell does have a, a current generation iPad. Oh, so he can use it. <laughs> Joke's on me. <laughs> There's that egg on your face. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm an Android user. I, I would actually like to have a modern iOS device, but I can't justify the price tag for largely testing purposes. I, I, I really would. Maybe one day I'll get one for, you know, throwing on my drone flying. But I, I would like to be able to test this. So SP, maybe you'll be able to test it and let us know how it goes because it's it's only network platforms. So you don't need to worry about outbound internet. You just give it a try. I'll give it a go sometime that I have some extra time. <laughs> I noticed you say that sarcastically. Yeah, I, I just, I, it's ironic when you have these stay-at-home orders that you just don't have the time that you used to when you didn't have to stay at home. So it's just all weird to me. Anyway. Stephen, what do we got next? Uh, we had a really interesting point today, actually. We're recording this today on April 14th, 2020. We had Anthony from Capes on the Couch podcast say, just curious, for podcasters who distribute or display IAB stats, how big of a difference is there between your quote normal end quote stats and your IAB stats? I'm just wondering if it depends on distributor or show or some other factors. And the reason I wanted to highlight this was because we had a bit of a back and forth conversation just talking about that concept. And as far as I'm aware, and maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I'm aware, the only person that really differentiates between like IAB stats and other stats that are truly IAB certified is Libsyn. Uh, I think all of the other ones only have one set of stats. They, they like, for example, Blueberry, they had their stats certified. They're, they're one algorithm certified. Libsyn went a different way, and we talked a little bit about that. They have their legacy stats that you can access, and then you can toggle over to the IAB one. So there is a little bit of a difference there. So that was just sort of interesting to have that bit of a conversation about that. And we had a bit of a talk about why would you use one over the other? So I, I don't know. Everybody's different. I'm not sure what the reasons would be for using legacy versus the IAB, which is the current standard. But I wanted to highlight that right now. But 
The other side of things as well is we got talking a little bit about historical stats. And one of the things that I brought up right now is how hard it would be for a podcaster to historically compare themselves. So like, SP, I want you to tell me how you are comparing now to four years ago, because like over the last two years, and if you really want to go crazy over the last four years, there has been so many changes with statistics and distribution. Think about like Spotify, for example, how many people now are listening to podcasts through Spotify and those hits don't always show up in your panel. So really hard now to compare yourself historically. And that was sort of the other side of this conversation that I thought was kind of fun was just thinking about how hard it is now to look back at yourself. Yeah, I have Spreaker stats as well for our live play shows. So I could probably go back and do some sort of uh, comparison there. But Lipson made it particularly difficult because on November 1st, 2017, I believe that was the date, they switched over to a new algorithm and the stats were radically different at that point. And then years later, a couple of years later, they went to IAB Podcast Measurement Guidelines 2.0 certification. And then they kept those same legacy stats that you started back in November of 2017. So there were the two different stats, plus you had the prior legacy stats prior to November 2017. So really, there's no way to go back to that 2016-2015 stats and do a one-to-one comparison. That's why it's so important for you to do comparisons between your own shows, you know, within the past year or so to just get relevant data, trending data, not necessarily firm data. And one of the reasons why we talked about this years ago, why we kind of scoffed at the people that were celebrating like 1 million downloads. Okay. Were they, it was a truly 1 million downloads. Was it 1 million SoundCloud listens, which is totally different than a download. I mean, what is that 1 million number? And even today, what is that 1 million number? So it's a stat that just isn't, doesn't make any sense to, to anybody. And the best thing that you can do is just do month to month comparisons to see where you're at. And I know for a stat junkie like myself, it just is infuriating because that standard keeps on shifting. And I don't for one minute believe that we're at the end of this either. I don't think that IAB podcast measurement guideline 2.0 standards is going to be it forever. I think we're going to see some changes in the future. I have no information whatsoever. I think that's going to be the standard for a while, but eventually somebody else is going to come along. Could be Nielsen, could be whoever and say, we have a better way to do this. We're going to move to this standard. We also had call me spider bite spelled with Y say the following. I find it generally really hard to get any stats on my podcast episodes. I use Backtracks and distribute through Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Player FM, Overcast, Auto through Apple, Google Podcasts, and then RSS. But I can only really collect useful data from Spotify and then whatever aggregates through the analytics feature in Backtracks. Just got chartable, thanks to a recommendation via the community, which I'm hoping will help with some more data. But generally, don't get many stats that point to qualitative data listens and stuff tells me quantity of listening, but not how engaged somebody was, i.e. did they listen to the whole thing. You also don't get demographics either, not 
aggregating through the all of those things. You do get some demographics, but you don't get all. So if you've had any thoughts with, with stats or anything like that, uh, let us know what your experience has been in recent, because I think right now consolidation is on everybody's mind or on a lot of people's minds. This isn't the first time this has come up in recent, and it seems like it's just on people's minds more and more now. So if you've had any thoughts lately about that, let us know what you've been thinking. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And before we walk out this episode, we got a review on Better Podcasting this week. And I will turn it over to resident reader Stargate Pioneer to read some more. From Podchaser, Garrett Godfrey left a stunning five-star review for us. So I'll go ahead and read it here. Okay, truly, there are seemingly hundreds of podcasts about podcasting. But what sets this one apart is that they clearly targeted at the hobbyist podcaster. No, quote, how do I monetize? When do I get rich? How do I ask for sponsors, etc.? unquote, talk. Instead, they focus on, quote, how can I make my podcast better? How can I get better at podcasting, unquote, etc.? And these guys know what they're talking about. Each of the hosts have been podcasting for years and really have a heart for helping indie podcasters avoid pitfalls and issues they've encountered, as well as give us tips on ways to easily improve our podcasts. If you're looking to make money on your show, one way to do that is to make a better show, and better podcasting will help you do that. But it won't talk about the money part directly. If you're making a podcast for the love of it, you have found your community. The show is for you. Well worth subscribing and listening to every episode. And if you use Discord, they even have a channel on Discord server that you can join. Garrett, thank you so much for that review. That was awesome to get when I saw that come across and even posted it over on Twitter. And it was great to see it over there, too. Yeah, I really, really was surprised to see this. You know, it... first off, we don't get a lot of reviews over there. And so I really appreciated that. But also just the thought that went into this. Thank you very much for uh, submitting this. Made my day when I read it. However, I will say that unfortunately, I'll have to scratch those off our list because our next episodes was how do I monetize and how do I ask for sponsors? And also, how can I make my podcast make more sponsorship money? Uh, all of these were the, the topics we had on the next three. So I'm sorry. That I guess we got to scratch them off there. Who are you doing those episodes with? <laughs> no, we definitely I, don't talk money here. I will say that his one line, I'm, I actually love to make a tagline out of it for better podcasting. If you're making a podcast for the love of it, you have found your community. I have never heard a more apt description of the better podcasting community than Garrett said right there. Thank you very much, Garrett. Yes, thank you, Garrett. So that's going to go ahead and bring us to the end of the show. Before we go, I will just mention we're part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing podcasts on it. Please check it out at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And also, if you have a moment, you should head over to Twitter. Go to Twitter. Find at BetterPod. That's our Twitter account over there. And we want you to tweet us a picture of yourself podcasting so that we can take a look at all of you who are podcasting and while you're actually making your podcast. Now, 
obviously we can't really display them on our primarily audio medium. Yes, we have a video show, but it would be very, very uncomfortable for the audio listeners. But please tweet at BetterPod with a picture of yourself podcasting so that we can see that and we can look at you making your podcast happen. SP, is there anything that you would like to say before we go? Just want to thank our listeners for sticking with us all these years. It's been a really fun five years and we're going to go a little bit more here. So it is awesome. Also, I mentioned the last time that we are still planning on making all that extra content that we promised. It's just with current world situation, we're both finding it very difficult to find that extra time to get a lot of stuff out. I know for a fact that Steven has some really high value objects in his possession that he wants to put videos out on. And I have a couple of videos to do myself on different things. So we're really looking forward to getting those out for everybody and filling out our extra content over at betterpodcasting.com, the blog part of Better Podcasting. I'm sorry, I had to give up the lease for my professional recording studio. I had to give it up. You had to give it to your brother, right? (laughs) For episode 223 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, nope, there's no professional podcast studio here, but we podcasters make some professional sounding content. And I'm SP saying we look forward to seeing you guys in a couple of weeks. Catch you guys later. Bye. See ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week. You know, we also had a response from Call Me Spider Bite today. No, that was not. That's, it's all, it looks like it's all together. That going to change the name to Call Me Spider Bite today. We also had a response from Call Me Spider Bite, spelt with the. We also. Ha- Should I just like give up I'm on this now? I'm not the only one. Should yeah. I give up on this now? <laughs> this pandemic is really screwing with us, buddy. <gasps> you know what it is? It's because I don't have the day to day interactions of actually talking with people. <laughs> Oh, I see. You should, you know, you should probably talk to your kids. Kids? <laughs> yeah, those two little mini-me's that are running around your house. Huh, I should find them. <laughs>